really the juiciest parts. Translate for me. Who's got it? This is the first part. Showered favor upon. Not. Not the ones you're angry with. Nah. Not what? Not the ones who earned your wrath. Have you read that one before? I strongly disagree. I don't casually disagree. I strongly disagree. Let me tell you something. The word your is not there. In the Arabic, the word isn't even there. There's no word you. It's not there. There's a reason it's not there also. Let me tell you what al-maghdub alayhim means. Let's first describe al-maghdub alayhim. If everybody's mad at you, you are maghdubun alayhi. You are the maghdubun alayhi. How do you describe that in English? This is the guy that everybody else is mad at. But I'm not going to mention everybody else. I'm going to say this is the guy that's receiving anger. He's receiving anger. When I say this guy received a lot of anger, like a, a pretty easier language, that guy received a beating. That guy received a beating. Who did I not mention? Who beat him? Is it possible more than one beat him? Yes. Allah describes them as people who earned anger. Who received anger. Who did he not mention? Whose anger? Because it's possible that it's more than one source. Allah is angry with them. The angels are angry with them. The believers are angry with them. Their future generations are angry with them. Their previous generations are angry with them. We learn all of that in the Quran. They're getting anger from so many directions that the only thing that can be said is, man, they are getting angry at. <laughs> Bad English. Anger is being hurled at them. I don't want to be from these guys. Not those who anger gets hurled at. You understand? Yes. So Allah is included, but others are included too. Here's another reason Allah is not mentioned. When Allah said, he, you showered favor upon, I translated it up there, the path of those you showered favor upon. The word you goes to who? Who is it talking about? Allah. Allah. So Allah was just mentioned. And in the very next part, those who received rage, is Allah mentioned or no? No, immediately he's taken away. Allah does not even want to get mentioned with them. He's that angry with them. He doesn't even want his name next to theirs. That's called tab'id in, in Arabic rhetoric. He distances himself from them. He doesn't even want his name anywhere near their name. Al-Maghdub alayhim. Done. Away with them. Then he adds another. Abalin. Abalin. How do we translate Abalin? Nor the... Nor the, nor, nor the ones who went astray? Okay, when have you used the word astray recently? Just now. <laughs> Just now? I mean, I've, I've handed an astray to an, a smoker once. <laughs> you don't get it, right? Ashtray, guys, ashtray. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, you got, you got a friend you invited to your house for dinner. First time they're coming to your house. You gave them the address. They took a long, wrong turn. 
They call you, uh, supposed to take a left on Fifth Avenue? No, no, right on Fifth Avenue. You've clearly gone astray. Is that what you say? Well, he's like, what? I'm not coming to your house for dinner. What you mean I got astray, fool? What do you say? You've gotten lost. That's more living language. Astray is old language. Also, some translate, nor the misguided. Have you read that? Nor the misguided. That's totally wrong. That's a misguided translation. Okay, so <laughs> the reason it's wrong is because when you say, I was misguided, it seems to suggest somebody else did it to you. I was misguided by someone. You follow? It's as though the blame should go to somebody else. But the word is lost. And when you say, I got lost, who's to blame? I, I'm the one who took the wrong turn. I'm the one to blame. So misguided takes the blame away from the person. So we can't use that word, really. And the Arabic word for that is mudallin anyway. It's a different word in Arabic. Mal is you take blame yourself. What was the difference between noun and verb? We're getting to the juicy part. We're so close. What's the difference between noun and verb? Noun is? Permanent. Verb is? Temporary. Either past tense, present tense, or? Check this out. When Allah mentioned the two people we shouldn't be like, He said, Al-Maghdub alayhim and Al-Dalleen. Both of them are nouns. When He talked about the people we should want to be like, He used a verb. He didn't say, Al-Mun'amina alayhim, Al-Mun'am alayhim. He says, Al-Ladina an'amta. A verb was used. You know what that teaches us? Our role models are stuck in the past. But the people we should look out for are always going to be there. They're not just in the past. They're always going to be there. They're permanent. They're nouns. <laughs> Watch out for them. Al-Maghdub alayhim and Al-Dalleen. Let's try to understand what Allah means by Al-Maghdub alayhim and Al-Dalleen and we'll tie everything together, okay? I'll give you a simple example. I have two sons. Alhamdulillah. So my older son is uh, Imad and my younger son is Walid. Imagine one day they're sitting on the couch and I'm about to go into my office for a phone call. So I tell Imad, the older son, Imad, See those cookies right there on the table? Don't eat them. I'll be back in five minutes. Don't eat the cookies. Your brother's playing over there. He doesn't know. You don't eat them, and he doesn't eat them. You understand? Yes, I understand. Okay. I make my phone call. I come back. They're both sitting on the couch. Um, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Who am I angry at? The one I told or the one that was in the other room? The one I told. And the other one says, wow, I was lost. I didn't know. I have a right to get angry at someone who knew what to do and still didn't do it. Like your student. Here's the, here are the questions on the test tomorrow. Here are their answers. You still got a zero. <laughs> Okay, I'm mad at the guy who was absent the day before, because he's lost. But the guy who knew, and he looked at me right in the face, yes, I got it, I got it, I got, and he still got a zero. I have a right to get angry. Dude, what's wrong with you? Al-Maghdub alayhim are people who know better and still do the wrong thing. That's why they receive anger. Al-Dalleen are people who do the wrong thing as a result of? Not knowing better. They do the wrong thing as a result of not knowing better. Now, if you get pulled over for speeding, and you get pulled over and the cop says you were speeding, and you say, well, I didn't know. 
Well, he's going to say, oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're Dalin, you're okay. <laughs> I thought you were Mahdudun alayhi. No, 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 Dalin, please, please go. Is he going to do that? Is ignorance a justifiable plea of innocence? It's not. But obviously, the one who knows is more criminal. You understand? He's more criminal, because he knows. He already knows. So what I'm trying to say to you is when the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he said, Al-Maghdub Alayhim, in the Surah, Al-Maghdub Alayhim, are the, the example of them is the Jews. And Abba'alim, the example of them is the Christians. There's a reason Allah didn't say Jews and Christians. Allah said, the, the, uh, Allah said al-Maghdub alayhim al-Balleen. Why? Because in the Quran, Allah highlights certain behavior of the Jews. Not everything about them, certain behaviors of them. And then Allah highlights certain behaviors of the Christians. These are the behaviors that will be lost. These are the lost people's behavior. And this is the people who deserve rage. And you'll notice one thing. You know, when Allah describes the mis misdoings of Christians, He'll describe them as people who don't know any better. And when he describes the wrongdoings of Jews, he says they know full well what they're doing. They know full well what they're doing. This was given to us as a teaching to understand don't become A and B. This was not given to us that when your Jewish friend, your co-worker comes and asks you a question, that you come to me and say, Ustad Laman, there was this maghdubun alayhi today that was asking me, <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this is not why it was given to us. That's not why it's not in the Qur'an in those words. And by the way, by leaving the description open, does that mean anybody could be in that category? Yes. By you and me asking Allah, Allah don't make me from them, does that mean I am in a danger of becoming either one of them? Because if I was not in that danger, I wouldn't have had to ask. If it was just about Jews and Christians, then I didn't have to ask about it. I'm not being asked, I may not fall into these two categories. Now we get to the juicy part. I told you this surah is all about what? Balance. I want to share with you some of the most amazing things I've ever read about the Fatiha. Literally, when I read this stuff, I had to stop reading and just go pray. I was so overwhelmed. So overwhelmed when I read some of this. I hope I can communicate this stuff to you clearly. First thing. The surah begins introducing us to Allah. The surah begins with knowledge. It begins with knowledge. If you have knowledge, is that enough? No. Knowledge should lead to action. Yes? yes. Knowledge, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmuddin, all of that was knowledge. Which led to one action on our part, we are ready to become your slaves. By the way, by definition, a verb is an action. Okay? So we went straight from knowledge to action. If you do have the action, then you are on the straight path. As-Sirat al-Mustaqeem, which is also the path that people before you have taken. And all of those people had something in common. They all had knowledge with action. They all had knowledge with action. You with me so far? So guidance is when you balance what two things together? Knowledge with action. That's when guidance happens. Now. There are two kinds of misguidance. There are two kinds of misguidance. One misguidance is you have knowledge, but you have no action. The other kind of misguidance, you help me now. You have action, but you don't have any knowledge. The surah begins with knowledge. Then the surah talks about action. Then it talks about when they both are together, you have guidance. Then it says, don't be like people who have knowledge, but no action. Then it says, don't be like people who have action, but no 
knowledge. The whole thing is perfectly balanced between knowledge and action. It's incredible. It's just absolutely marvelous how Allah did that. That's just another example of the surah's balance. That's not the only one though. We gotta get juicier. Let's go back again. This surah, when the Prophet described it in Allah's paraphrasing, remember the hadith Qudsi? He said, When he got to the middle ayah, the middle ayah is, He said, this is between me and my slave. In other words, the first part is for my slave, the last part is for me, and the middle part is between me and my slave. So the middle ayah, according to the hadith, is which ayah? What's the middle word of the middle ayah? Well, so even if you divide that middle ayah into equal parts, one part of it is the other part of it is Check this out. The first part of the surah, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, the summary of all of that, the result of all of that is one phrase, The second half of the surah, the whole thing is the explanation of one request, Nasta'een. Iyaka nasta'een is the second half, Iyaka na'budu is the conclusion of the first half. It's perfectly balanced between Iyaka na'budu and Iyaka nasta'een. That's another example of the balance of the surah. But there's more. There's more. What did I tell you about nouns and uh, nouns and verbs? Remember the nouns and verbs thing? What was nouns? Permanent. What's verbs? Temporary. Now for those of you who don't know Arabic grammar, I will make this as easy as I possibly can. In Arabic grammar, there are two kinds of sentences. Noun sentences and verb sentences. Noun sentences and verb sentences. Which ones do you think are more permanent? Noun sentences. Which ones do you think are more temporary? Verb sentences. Now here's another basic rule. When a sentence starts with a noun, it's a noun sentence. When a sentence starts with a verb, it's a verb sentence. That's a basic rule. The first part of the surah is about Allah. There's three parts in the surah. Part one is about Allah. The middle part is about, about us and Allah. The last part is about us. There are three parts of the surah. They're perfectly shared between us and Allah. It's a balance between us and Allah. The first part is about Allah. The middle between both of us. And the last one is about Allah. Oh, about us, about us. Now listen. The first part is all noun sentence. The first part is all noun sentence. And the first part was about who? Allah. So it's more appropriate that the permanent form is used. Right? That's part one. Part three, not part two. Part three is about who? Us. The whole thing is a verb sentence. And we're temporary, so verb form is better for us. The whole thing is verb sentence. Jumla fa'iliya. What's left? What are we going to do in the middle? The Kufan and the Basran school would have a debate about this middle part. In grammar, grammar debates, is this a noun sentence or a verb sentence? Because even though it's a verb sentence, it begins with a noun. So it mixes the two rules together. Just like the ayah itself is about Allah and the human being, the grammatical form of it takes the ism first, even though it's a jumlah fi'liyah. It's a mixture of both linguistically. Both noun and verb, right in the middle. Just like the ayah itself is about us and Allah. It's just like you study this stuff and you just go, whoa, word of God. 
And all of this revealed at one time to the Prophet There's no editorial process. There's no, let me fix this and organize this better. Let me put this word over here and that word over there. Maybe this balance will work better over here. Maybe that balance will work better over there. Nothing. And did you know that in the surahs of the Qur'an, there's also a balance between the beginning subject and the last subject? Allah described Himself as a master of all what? Peoples and nations. And at the end of the surah, He says, let me tell you what peoples and nations should be divided into. They shouldn't be divided by ethnicity. They should not be divided by geography or, or economics. Here's how they should be divided. Those who are favored, those who earn anger, those who are lost. That's all of humanity. It's the tafsir of al-alameen. By the end, everything's balanced. Everything comes together in the surah. Between knowledge and action, between noun and verb, between praise and gratitude, between master and slave, between justice and mercy. SubhanAllah, balance, 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 balance. There's one more balance I want to share with you. Maybe two more. <laughs> two more. I promise two more though. I promise two more. One more within the surah. Allah Azawajal says, Alhamdulillah. Is hamd something everybody feels together or every person has their own personal taste of hamd? Every person has their own personal taste of hamd. Allah says, master, he's master, I'm slave. Every person has their own personal slavery to Allah or no? They do. Allah says he's extremely merciful and all merciful. Every person has their own personal taste of Allah's mercy, yes or no? Allah says He's the master and owner of Judgment Day and the sovereign, the king of Judgment Day. Everyone will come to Allah individually or collectively on Judgment Day. Everything about how Allah introduced Himself was personal, 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 personal. I, 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 I is the result of all of it. And immediately what happened, right, right as we got to the next ayah, it went from individual to collective. This surah is a balance between individual iman but collective action. It's not just faith, knowledge and action. Knowledge and your personal relationship with Allah is in your heart, but your actions will be with other Muslims. You gotta keep it together. You can't do your actions just by yourself. We gotta do them together, SubhanAllah. Between knowledge and action. The last balance. I told you the surah is about balance, right? By the way, the life of the Muslim should be described as balance. And by the way, it's such a beautiful description of Umar. You know how he described taqwa, walking the straight path? How did he describe it? You remember? Make, have a, make sure you have a really good balance. You stay right on target. So you take a little bit of turn, what's going to happen? These thorns will catch you. These thorns will get you. The last surah of the Quran is Surah Al-Nas. In the order, Surah Al-Nas. You know, when the Prophet would recite Surah Al-Nas, immediately he would recite Surah Al-Fatiha. Like the Qur'an doesn't even end. You just go right to the beginning. There's a balance between the last surah and the first surah. The first surah begins with a word that's positive. Alhamdulillah. The last surah begins with a word that's negative in nature. A'udhu. Qul. A'udhu. Say, I seek refuge. It's a problem already. In the very beginning, there's a problem. Life is good. Life is difficult. You got guidance for both situations. Right? That one began with a noun. This one begins with a verb. That one, you asked, said, Rabbin Nas. Qul a'udhu bi Rabbin Nas. Fatiha, we said, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. There we said, Malikin Nas. Here we said what? Maliki Yawmiddin. Malik Malik. And there he didn't say mercy, did he? In Surah Al-Nas, did he mention Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim or no? No, because the context is entirely different. It's not about mercy there. 
It's about seeking forgiveness from something negative. Protection is the issue, not mercy. In a negative context, positive words are eliminated. Malikinnas. Then here we said, We enslave ourselves to you. Who do we enslave ourselves? When somebody says, today after Jummah, by the way, a person took shahada, they decided, they decided that they're going to enslave themselves to Allah. What did they say to become Muslim? Ashadu an la ilaha. To become a slave, you have to accept Allah as ilah. Here we said, In Surah Al-Nas, what do we say? Ilahin Nas. Ilahin Nas. Here we mention two kinds of evil, two kinds of bad influences. Al-Maghdub alayhim and Al-Dalin. Fatiha, how many kinds of bad influences you mention? Two kinds of bad influences. Min al-jinnati, wal-nasi. Surah Al-Fatiha, all the verbs were singular or plural. Do you remember? Was it I or we? We. Surah Al-Nas, the verbs are what? I, I seek refuge, not we, I seek refuge. Now individually, you get evil influences from shaitan. Collectively, you get evil influences from failed nations. So the negative influences in Fatiha are the entire Maghdub and the entire Ba'alim. And the negative influences in the individual Surah are Al-Jinn one nas that go individual waswasa, individual whispers to people. Even that's balanced. All around, goes around in full circle, subhanAllah. This seminar is the product of about six, seven months of research that I did just on how to present some of these things in English in ways that people can understand. First of all, for myself and then you know, for the Muslims in general. Because I honestly, my personal conviction is we haven't really learned what the Quran is. We don't have a taste for what it is. You got to taste this book. You got to just like enjoy what this book has to offer. The kinds of things we'll study tomorrow, I'll give you one example of, and I'll conclude inshallah ta'ala. How many people am I going to see tomorrow? Alright, you raise your hand, you're in the masjid, okay then. Alright, so, I don't have to say anything else. Okay, so. <laughs> so I'll give you one example and I'll close. Some of you might have seen me talk about this on YouTube. I was in an elevator one time with a true Texan, you told me, what do you Muslims get in paradise anyway? And I was like, drinks. And then my floor came and I left. <laughs> I must be wondering, why is I drinks? What am I talking about, drinks? But here's why I said it. In Surah Al-Insan, Surah Al-Insan, Allah talks about drinks in Jannah three times. What surah is that? Surah Al-Insan. Allah talks about drinks how many times? Three. Three times. You ever gone to a barbecue? Come into a barbecue? People's backyard? Masjid, a table rented from the masjid? <laughs> Plastic cups? Costco soda? Help yourself? You ever been to one of those? Okay. Everybody's helping themselves. Right? They're giving themselves drinks. No doubt the righteous will be drinking out of cups. Allah describes a party in Jannah, a barbecue in Jannah, and people are going and getting themselves what? Drinks. Nice. Have, that's a nice setting, it's casual, but have you ever been to like an expensive walima? A reception? One of those really Pakistani ones? Where they get the overly expensive hall, round tables, tablecloth, glasses put upside down, aqwabu mawdu'a, 
Quran says, like, well, cups already placed, glasses already placed, like you guys expect them to in expensive restaurants. Then the guy dressed like a penguin comes and pulls a drink for you. <laughs> so would you want some more? This time, what's the difference? You don't have to get yourself a drink. What happens to you? The drink is served to you. This is a more elite setting or no? So the next time Allah mentions drinks in Surah Al-Insan, He says, They will be given to drink in cups. He doesn't say they will get to drink. He says they will be given the drink. Has the service been upgraded? Oh. Then you wonder, what could be better than this? This is pretty good already. I mean, we don't have a more upgraded status in dunya. We don't. But I said drinks are mentioned how many times? Three times. Here's the third time. وَسَقَاهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ شَرَابًا طَهُورًا Their Lord, their Master will serve them drink. SubhanAllah. So when you ask me, what do you get in Jannah? I just say, drinks. It's good enough for us. <laughs> I hope to see all of you, inshaAllah ta'ala, tomorrow at 10 a.m. sharp. I will start even if none of you are here. Because of course I'll have like 50 students from Dallas already here on time an hour early <laughs> making extra ibadah, so I don't have to worry about that. But um, if, if, we, if I don't see you guys tomorrow, I hope we meet in a much better place, if not sometime later in Houston, if you meet in a much better place and we'll over some really awesome drinks. <laughs>